0: Uh-oh. Oh,
1: <laughs>
0: I can find it again. Philippians, yeah. Philippians, yes. We're back in Philippians again. I don't know, keep, keep coming back to that book. I don't know, it's, uh, it's a good one. Um, it's actually fairly short. You can almost memorize it. Um On the screen, I was going to read to verse 15 as well, because there's one part in there that I think really um, was helpful for me anyway when I read it. Um, Let's read the Word of God. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being Like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus'. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I just wanted to finish a couple verses here. Actually, I'll slip down to uh, verse 14. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ Jesus that I did not run or labor for nothing. I'm just going to back up actually to verse 13. I had, it was 15, but it's actually 13. For God is that, for God For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And that's an important verse right there. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And I'll come to that as we go along. A self-proclaimed Christian walks into the church and proclaims to the congregation. I'm the best Christian in the world. In fact, I know every single word of this Bible. One of the members takes his Bible and says, Okay, tell me, the, tell me the meaning of the word humility, love, patience. The self-proclaimed Christian retorts back, Oh, so you're just going to make up your own words now, are you? All truth and no humility. Maybe he has read the Bible. And maybe he thinks he's an expert in it. But he really doesn't have a clue what it's talking about. He's all talked. As funny as this scenario is, it really can describe many followers of Jesus. Many Christians want to proclaim their own opinions, I know I do, their strongly held beliefs, I know I do, about a particular issue, person, or group, even with very good reason or evidence for it. But often I find that this comes with a critical spirit, and it's joined with a lack of desire to do anything about it to make it better. So We often share these strongly held beliefs or opinions with close friends and family, those we agree with, because we really don't want to be challenged. I don't know, it feels good to feel right, right? But what this self-proclaimed Christian, what did he lack above all else? question what do you think humility. humility yeah absolutely humility we've all met people like this in our lives they come across as often as a loud gong or a clanging cymbal or the sound or, or the the sound of a creaking gate or a rusty gate you actually feel judged or inferior when you're around these people and we can all be like this at times I know I can So Paul says, do nothing at a selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to the interests of others. So do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault and a warped and a crooked generation. Because God is at work in you Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That verse thirteen. Keep coming back to that. When I looked up selfish ambition in the, the Greek, and you can do that very easily with the Calvin Scripture Study app. I don't think that I know Greek because I, I don't. Um I had to take it again, so um it actually means a divisive or a quarrelsome spirit. It means a spirit that likes to divide, that likes to quarrel. So for the sake of simplicity, I'm just going to use the word critical or critical spirit. And really this has its root in pride. So first, do you you know of people in your life who have a critical spirit? A desire to get ahead, a desire to be proved right, without considering others as better than themselves. What are the traits of these kinds of people? I'll just get one or two or three answers. What's some traits Selfish. They know what's best. Stubborn. Don't always listen very well. Quick to want to speak rather than to understand. So if pride is the trunk or the root of the tree, selfish ambition is its branches And arguing and complaining, or a critical spirit is the fruit or the leaves of the tree. If pride is a noun, being critical is the adjective. I had to look that up to make sure I was. Is Wilma here? Yes, she did a great job teaching me. I just, I didn't listen very well. It's really the human condition. It was in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and it's really the same today. And although the Philippian letter is one of Paul's most joyful letters, he's always calling the church back to that, that frame of mind that's opposite. He's calling them away from that frame of mind that's opposite to our Lord Jesus, which is one of humility. He does it through all his letters. Actually, we kind of read about that in the charge this morning. Further... I find that this critical spirit—that the more power one has—it's able to not even tear apart marriages, but also communities and even nations. Why? Because it actually runs through the heart of every human being. Alexander Solzhenitsyn—he observed this from a prison cell in the Gulag—and actually later in life, he thanked the Lord for his prison cell for what it taught him. Powerful. And you know, at its worst, this kind of spiritual disease that really, at its worst, it will harm others to get what it wants. It's the story of humanity. And this is why having identity in Jesus, knowing that God is at work within us, is so, so very important and critical. As I was thinking of humility, I remembered the story from the Bible. Who, who did God call the most humble person? in the Bible, apart from Jesus. Who's the most humble man? Moses. Then Heather brought up a good point. Moses apparently wrote the the Pentateuch, or the Torah. So he's actually saying it about himself. Not very humble, actually. But um, I'm just going to read this passage here from uh, Numbers 12. Miriam and Aaron, which were his brother and sister began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord only spoken through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. And I was thinking, you know, was it really about him marrying a Cushite wife? It was important for them to to marry, I think, Abraham. He sent his servant to go get a wife for Isaac. Among his own people, so it was a big deal. But it really wasn't about that. God's hand was on Moses in a powerful way. They were jealous of their leader. They were jealous of their brother. They wanted to be the top dog. They were saying that God, God speaks through us too. Why is he, you know, why is Moses getting all the credit? And then it says, "Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone on the face of the earth." And at this, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come to the front of the tent. So he summoned them, and they went out, and he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions and in dreams. But this is not so for my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why then were you afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You see, God was challenging their critical spirit, was challenging their arrogance against their brother Moses. So the anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. But when the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leperous, became as white as stone. So Aaron turned toward her and saw that he had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord, I do not hold, do not hold this against us, this sin that we have so foolishly committed. Don't her, don't let her be like a stillborn infant coming from his mother's womb with its flesh half eating, half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please, God, heal her." And we know that God was gracious, even in that circumstance. And Miriam had to leave the camp for seven days. And she was healed. When I read that passage, if there's anyone, without getting into all the nuances of, of it, if there's anyone who should have been proud, or arrogant, or boastful, it should have been Moses should have been moses look at the position that he had he talked to the lord face to face he spent two times up on that mountain for 40 days in the presence of the lord he did all those signs that god did through him the 10 plagues in egypt he parted the red sea if anybody should have been proud it should have been moses But then I think, reading that story, that uh, you know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble after he had these exceedingly great revelations. Moses had 600,000 complaining Israelites, grumbling. That was thorn in the flesh enough. You know, Moses wasn't sinless either. And that's important to know. He wasn't perfect. We see how he got angry, if you read the story, at the rock, and he hit it instead of just speaking to it, and God was not happy. He killed an Egyptian. He argued against God about why he wasn't the right candidate for the mission. He said, hard of me, Lord, I'm slow to speech and tongue. In other words, I stammer or I stutter. And the Lord replied back, it is the Lord who gave you. Who is Who gave you your mouth? the Lord said Moses was also very modern for his time too he was the first to get a tablet with data from the cloud so I had to put that one in but he was the most humble man on the face of the earth he was faithful and humble in all of God's house and God knew he could work through the man of Moses and you see Miriam and Aaron they were they were jealous they weren't like, yeah, we gotta support this man. Look what God has done to him. We need to do everything to make Moses' mission successful. But they complained. And they looked for something. He married a Cushite wife. But really it was just a they just needed something to complain about to disqualify him. They had a critical spirit spirit. They weren't looking to the interests and concerns of their brother by putting their own needs aside. The church in Paul's day, too, was never immune from this. And neither are we today. That's why Paul made it such a big deal. You see, it's impossible to argue or complain when you're putting the needs of others and not thinking about yourself in the process. It's hard to argue and complain. That's why Paul said, consider others as better than yourself. It was saying, what similar command? When Paul says, consider others as better than yourselves, what command are you thinking of? Oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love others as yourself. That's what Paul was thinking of, likely. It's how Jesus sums up the whole Bible. So if love is the trunk of the tree, humility is the branches. And good deeds and helping others is the fruit. You see, the Bible, the Bible acts, and it's not always easy to read. I admit I struggle with it. Sometimes I want to, sometimes throw it away because I struggle with it. I struggle with OCD, and I struggle sometimes with the feeling judged by God. And uh, I have to really, really wrestle with with. Separate, not separate, but that love and judgment. It's something that I've always wrestled with my whole life and probably will continue to do so, although it does get better. And God has been so gracious and so kind to me. I just sometimes remember the negative than I do the positive. We're our own worst enemies. But the Bible's a window. It gives us a panoramic view of what the world is like and what God expects from his people. But it also shows us incredible love Grace, forgiveness for humanity. For God so loved the world. The Bible first acts as a mirror for our own soul. And in tandem with the Holy Spirit, it should convict us of our own ability to be humble on our own. Daily, we need to see our brokenness and our reliance on him and the grace that we need from him. In the next level with this critical spirit, this is, this is weighty though. When we have a selfish or a critical spirit, we always want to play the judge. Just like this man at the beginning in that story, that scenario. I know every word, just, just like Miriam and Aaron. Um, he married a Cushite woman. Does the Lord not speak through us too? And just like the church, just like ourselves, we seem to know better than them. But Paul was aware of Jesus who said, Judge not, or you will be judged in the same manner. We need to stand on our convictions and not compromise what we believe. We must not violate our consciences. So how do we do this without arguing or complaining or not looking more superior? How do we do this without becoming the judge? Well, that's for another sermon. And just a little, um, just some lessons I learned from Oswald Chambers on this being critical and judging. Just hear this. Jesus' instructions with regard to judging is very simply put. He says, don't. That's what Jesus is saying, don't. Criticism is one of the ordinary activities of human activity of human beings. Yet nothing in the spiritual realm is accomplished by it. Think about that. Think over your life. Think of how God has used you, blessed you. Think about that. Really, criticism is the dividing of the strengths of the one being criticized. The Holy Spirit is the only one who's in the proper position to criticize Because he he alone is able to show what is wrong without hurting or wounding. He alone. It's impossible to enter into fellowship with God when we're in a critical mood. I know that's, I, I can start praying and start to be critical when I'm praying. And immediately I'm shut up. Immediately I can feel like, okay, God's not receiving this at all. Criticism serves to make us harsh, vindictive, cruel, and leaves us with this idea that we're somehow superior. Jesus calls us not to judge, but in humility consider others as better than ourselves. This won't happen quickly. It's developed over time. So be aware of anything that causes you to be more superior. We come to Jesus it's hard to escape his penetrating search on our lives. If we see a speck in our brother's eye, guess what? He'll point out that log, that 2 by 4 that 2 by 12 in our own eye. Maybe that big old piece of plywood. Every wrong thing I see in you, God finds in me. Every time I judge, I condemn myself. Romans 12, 17 to 24. Stop having a measuring stick for other people. There's always at least one more fact which we know nothing about in a person's situation. When God shows us how sinful we can be apart from his grace, there should never be a person that we would despair of or lose hope for. I was reminded of the Chuck Swindoll story He's a preacher down in Texas, been on the air for 88. I couldn't believe that. He's 88, still pastoring. And he shared this story when he was preaching. He would have a man in the front row, and he'd always fall asleep. Not you, Alan. No, you're dead. He would always fall asleep. And it kind of hurt Chuck when he was preaching, because he he wasn't really respectful of, of his preaching. And then a while later, at some point, his wife, the man's wife, came to see Chuck and told Chuck how much her husband appreciated his messages and the impact that they had on him, and that he had recently passed away from a long battle with cancer. That shut Chuck up. He realized he didn't know the full circumstance of what was happening to that person, sitting there. He just thought he was being disrespectful. There was more going on in his life. He found out a little bit too late. I'm not Paul. I'm not Moses. I'm not Peter. Neither is Pastor Dan. Neither is any of us. Sometimes we do need to speak prayerfully and humbly over situations that are an injustice to the other. But we also sometimes need to prayerfully and humbly just walk away. We should never violate our own consciences and convictions, but we don't have to be a jerk about them either. We don't know the whole story until we really listen well, and even then I wonder whether we know the full story. And I often think, let's never burn bridges that God does not want us to burn. Trust him and keep praying because he is the one that changes and transforms hearts at the end of the day. And he has a whole lot more compassion than I do. So the heart of Paul's words to the Philippians in this passage is the great humility of Jesus Christ and our being like him. Having his same mind and attitude. Why? Because he lives within us. For it is Christ who is working within you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Jesus was very God and He emptied Himself of the glory that He had with His Father in order to be the face of His Heavenly Father here on earth. And then He went and sacrificed Himself on the altar, on a cruel altar of torture and humiliation. Why? So that our stain of sin could be washed away. Why? Because he considered our spiritual and our eternal isolation to be the utmost importance. And he he desired that his father would become our father as well. So he humbled himself, even to death on a cross. That's what love does. This is the highest form of humility demonstrated through God himself. So can you think of someone in your life whom you see as being very humble? And if it's yourself, go back and read the sermon again. (laughs) What are some traits of humble people? I know me and Heather talked about this a few weeks ago, and we both had the same person. We had the same person in mind. What are some traits of humble people? They listen. Easily approachable. Generous. They never inflate themselves. They seem to always build up other people. A test. How do you know if you're either more proud or more humble? Well, here you go. If you see pride or selfish ambition in others, and you're quick to point it out, but you fail to see it in your own life, then there's a root of pride in your life. And we all have a degree of that. We're not, we're not immune to that. C.S. Lewis said, if you think you are not proud, it means that you are very proud indeed. if you see humility and gentleness in others and you're quick to say so yet never see it in your own life, you are very much on the road to humility. You will, you, and C.S. Lewis also says you will not be thinking about being humble because you will not be thinking of yourself at all. I wish I could get to that point. I really do. Application. How do we learn humility? And how do we see others as better than ourselves? Well, first, it's by the renewing of our mind, by taking every thought captive and letting Jesus examine it, and knowing that He is at work within us. What if? What if we went 40 days, 40 being a very biblical number, or one week, or even one day, maybe even one hour? And we don't complain about anything. Nothing. Sometimes you actually have to just not complain about anything to be able to get away from complaining about people. You gotta cut it at the root. We do have concerns and we need to leave that at his feet, whether we journal it, we write it down. We can't we can't avoid that. But what if we hold ourselves accountable and we just don't complain about anything? Whether it's the weather, the government, the news, our aches, our pains, our money, our lack of, our kids, our spouse, our job, or anything else. This includes gossip or negativity. I think it's best to stay away from social media and the news for a while. And I've been kind of on this for quite a while now, and I find that I mess up almost constantly. but I'm catching myself being negative, and I don't want to be that person. But then you need to flip it, you need to flip it, and you need to find someone each day to find something, to say something good about them, to encourage them, to support them, to say, to praise them for what they're doing well. And then go a little bit farther and find someone and give them, whether it's a dollar or a donut or a meal, do something for somebody else. You might think, well, I never get out of the house, and you could give online. And I heard a, a ministry leader that says, you know, when people even give a dollar, maybe it doesn't go far, but it shows that they care. It shows that they care. And I firmly believe, that's why I'm kind of passionate about this, even though I'm not practicing it as good as I want, I think God will open our eyes to see humility in other people. And often we'll find the greatest humility in those who seem to suffer the most the fruit of negativity that critical spirit will begin to rot as the nutrients for that root is starved compassion for others will begin to grow what could happen what blessings may pour out what if and why not some of these thoughts do come from you too aunt sally They do. They do. Let's not be the man at the beginning of this passage. Or the beginning of this message. But Christ is working within us. Let him work out that humility that is already ours. Because we are in him because of him. It is Christ at work within us. Let's be different. Let's do all things. With humility. Because God doesn't have a critical spirit. God is not judging us here. God is wanting to fill our hearts with his love. He's wanting to use us to transform the world that is into the world that ought to be. And it's going to happen one comment at a time. One smile at a time. One conversation at a time. In humility. As Christ works within us we work out the humility that's in us let's pray heavenly father we thank you that you are a a god of just an abundant compassion that you love us that you care for us thank you that you are not critical when we fail but you are faithful and just and you will forgive us of our sins and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness And as we continue to come to you, you will remind us. You will continue to renew us. You will continue to form us, your spirit, your image within us as we take steps of practical obedience. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for the elders and the deacons that have, have said yes to your call to serve this church. Thank you for many that work behind the scenes, whether it's cleaning the church, whether it's the books, whether it's, it's catechism, whether it's youth group, whether it's all kinds of different things on committees. Thank you for the work that they do. They do it because they want to serve you. We praise you. We bless you. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.